0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young.
1: Hello there, and I hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. You know, this is a great day for Transformation for Success, and I'm excited to bring you yet another interesting show and guest. Today on the show, we are chatting with Blaine Bartlett, Blaine is an internationally respected and sought-after executive coach, management consultant, and leadership and organizational development expert. His programs and processes are known for their practicality and applicability to the needs and objectives of his clients. He has consulted, developed training programs, and coached executives at some of the most successful companies around the world. He's a guest lecturer in China. He's been a featured speaker at numerous international world conferences. He also is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council. You know what that is? That's a group of CEOs, thought leaders, and educators founded by Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Blaine is also the best-selling author of Compassionate uh, Capitalism. Let me repeat that again. Compassionate Capitalism. A Journey to the Soul of Business. And he's going to talk about a little bit about that book today. And he's also co-author of Discover Your Inner Strength, which was written in collaboration with Stephen Covey, Ken Blanchard, and Brian Tracy. Now, he's also the author of Three Dimensional Coaching that was published and translated in Chinese and Japanese just last year. So, Blaine, I want to welcome you to the Transformation for Success radio show.
2: Well, Barbara, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I am so delighted. And so, listeners, I want you to call your friends and share. And be sure to download this discussion, as I know that many of you are going to be inspired Not only by his incredible story, but some of his very valuable insights. So get your pens and paper ready to catch these nuggets. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and you can access me on these channels with your comments as well. My website, again, is transformationforsuccess.com. I'd love to hear from many of you, so keep those letters and calls, uh, letters, I should say, and emails coming, because we do appreciate hearing from you. So again, I am just excited to have you on the show today, you know, and I I know that uh, you have said you don't know how, you know how to go to where you are today, and you didn't follow a master plan, but you understand, you've come to believe that any plan can quickly become a trap, so I am intrigued, Mr. Bartlett.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, where to go with that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so tell us this journey from this this young man coming out of his oregon you were born in oregon
2: i was born in oregon in a small town okay. roseburg oregon
1: uh, no i know who that is
2: do you all right
1: yeah i've been there small town yep on the coast
2: well actually it's in the willamette valley it's on the southern tip of the willamette valley mm-hmm. uh and it's you know, just kind of spitting distance to the Oregon coast. But, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Oregon.
2: Oh, so how beautiful was it growing
1: state. up in, in this small town? Pardon? How was it growing up in this small town?
2: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, you yeah, know, it was... It, if, if, if we go back to uh, the... Uh, uh, oh, the way people t- tend to think about the good old days. Uh, I've, I've got I've got good old days in my mind, and they were truly good days. Uh, right. You know, we grew up in a in the nuclear family was you know what you would expect at that time. You know, mom and dad, and they were they were together. Goodness gracious, sixty some odd years. Um, uh, I had uh, three other uh, siblings, and I was the oldest. But it was a real real tight knit family. Uh and we had neighbors that everybody knew. I mean yeah, the doors were left unlocked. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. And the neighbors took care of each other's kids pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was quite nice. And then, you know, uh the farm, um it's yeah, you know, I learned a work ethic there and mm-hmm. and it wasn't onerous, it was just kind of what we did. Uh Mom canned uh, vegetables out of the garden, and um, it, it was bucolic. I guess that would be the way I would describe it. And right. uh, it was a, a good foundation, a real strong value core, um, you know, and it's steeped in really uh, respect and appreciation and love. I mean, that was if, if there were three values that were present in my family, it would have been those three values.
1: And you certainly espouse those today. You know, when I first met you, I was so impressed with uh, the sensitivity uh, that you have and and just the gentleness. Your spirit was just absolutely just spoke to my spirit. And I just have to say that um, about you, Blaine. Uh, and obviously it comes from the roots. And um, one of the things, though, uh, you do say that if there was any secret uh, to your becoming successful, it was your willingness to say yes to opportunities when, when they appeared. So tell me a little bit about some of those opportunities, because I'm always plagued with people who ask me, how do I know it's an opportunity? Because with opportunity also comes obstacles, too.
2: Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And with opportunity, when you, when you, any choice that is made closes doors to other choices. Uh, that's just that's the true. nature of the way mm-hmm. life is. Um, and this is, you know, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about you know, my or, you know, thinking about you know, any plan, if it becomes uh, religiously adhered to, becomes a trap. Um, because it, in that, you know, if, if I've got a plan, and I've talked to a, in my coaching work, a lot of folks that have had a master plan for their life, and they get uh-huh. you know, captured by the plan, and as a consequence, they end up not living life. Yes. Um, so with that as kind of a contextual backdrop, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I remember reading Maslow. I, I started reading. My goodness, I could read before I got into in, into uh, the first grade. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, truly, I could. Yeah, um, I
1: know. I, I, I believe you. <laughs> I'm <a> avid <favorite laughs> reader myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, my my mom was pretty good at that, and uh-huh. um, but yeah, you know, I, I guess this is where opportunity begins to show up, and I hadn't quite thought of it this way. But you know, my folks. Uh, yeah, you know, owned a, a small grocery store uh, when I was first born and, and was starting to to grow up. And one of my very first jobs, um, and Dad asked me if I wanted to do this, and he said, you, know, you can stock the, the the bookshelf, magazine rack, I guess it was." And he said, "For your payments, you can have you know one copy of each of the comic books that we put out." And that's essentially where I learned to read, was with uh, Marvel Comics and DC Comics, <laughs> Superman. But it, the opportunity there, it was like, I, I, I get to do that. That's kind of cool. And, yeah, uh, so I, I, early on, it seems really trivial, but that really was, in the, even the fact that I remember it, kind of seminal in terms of paying attention to things. When something approaches and, and is presented, I have a strong tendency to automatically say yes before uh, considering some of the implications. But I, I, I say yes internally first, and then, and this is maturation and wisdom, I think, but I, I'll tend to back up a little bit and go, okay, now what gets closed off, and what does this seem to make possible? And I may not know exactly what's possible, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that begins to unfold. Um, you know, I'll just jump forward here. Um, at university, I went to the University of Oregon, and my roommate at the time, uh, we were on an apartment off campus, and he came home and said, I've got this idea. I've just applied, or at least I've gotten the paperwork to apply for an exchange program in Europe. Are you interested? I had never even thought of doing an exchange program in Europe, and there was an it was just kind of Pardon? <laughs>
1: There was another opportunity.
2: Opportunity, absolutely. So I, yeah, just basically said, yeah, sounds kind of interesting. I filled out the paperwork and paid the twenty. I think it was twenty dollars um, application fee, and then promptly forgot about it. And that was at the beginning of the fall term. Uh, around Christmas time, uh, I got this letter saying I'd been accepted, and I didn't know to what. <laughs> 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 but it ended up being an absolute seminal uh, moment. I mean, if, if there's a transformational right. moment in life, this was one of them for me. Uh, it changed my philosophical outlook on the world. It changed physiologically how I actually experienced living in the world. Uh, just a lot of things. Um, and I ended up, you know, I you know, worked two jobs and, and paid for the trip. And, and it was a phena- all you know, this little you know, farm boy. Uh, coming out of, you know, Roseburg, Oregon, now had a university experience in Europe that was completely unplanned. It was not part of a master plan, but it was an opportunity that presented itself. And as a consequence, it opened up vistas that I'm still exploring. And that,
1: That's great. That, I mean, you know, I was just reflecting upon that. And where did you go in Europe? Uh, wh- where did you go? I went doing? to
2: the uh, Netherlands International School of Business. It's called oh, Nine Road. Oh, wow. What Nine a terrific Rota. opportunity.
1: Uh, oh my goodness.
2: Oh, it's a, it, today it's one of the top uh, business schools yeah, in the world.
1: I, I do know that. I do. Yeah. And when you said Netherlands, I'm like, "Oh my god. And Blaine, you're so smart anyway." Did you you know I just want to ask a question that's sort of maybe out of line, but did you always know that you were smart?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that and, and remain humble. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, um, and, and I say that facetiously, <laughs> but in one sense. you know, I remember my mom uh, you know, in grade school, and, and actually in, it was in grade school. Uh, we did some IQ tests, evidently. I don't remember this. Um, but the, the, my mom told me, and this was years, years later, that the uh, principal of the school uh, was very reluctant to show... Uh, my mom the scores, because uh, from what I understand, and I don't have verification on this, but they said that yeah, it was in the highest that they've ever seen, and so I was kind of like, what? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I bet. And then possibly, too, and reading, and you read uh, mm-hmm. prolifically, which, of course, enhanced your learning ability and your vocabulary and all of these other things. That come with it. And then the international experience. Oh, my goodness. You know, when, when you think about it, too, uh, in terms of a definite purpose for a person's life, there was a purpose and a plan for your life. And I'm sure you have helped. In fact, I'm not sure I know you have helped so many people, so many businesses. And you've had such a remarkable journey. Um, I want you to share... Uh, a statement that you made, and i and I've I read a lot of your stuff. I mean, I went digging <laughs> <laughs> to find out Mr. Blaine Bartlett and who he really is, and I love your blogs. Well, one of the things that uh, I want to get back on point, dr B you 've had a remarkable journey, and you shared that you've lived a life that is truly consistent with how you define sustainable success. So if we can just sort of segue over into how you describe or define sustainable success, because I, I know people are going to be captivated by that discussion.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Thanks. Uh, well, you know, in the coaching and the consulting work I've done, uh, you know, success is always you know, front and present, uh, front and center for you know, and with the clients that I'm working with. But I... I I got real bothered uh, a number of years ago by how people seemed to be defining both success and how they were defining how they felt successful and, and this is I, I started looking at my own life because i 've generally felt pretty successful I mean, sometimes i didn 't need the world of agreements uh, <laughs> right. standards for what success looked like, but I felt pretty successful. Uh, and so I started playing with some definitions, and what I ended up with is, I think, what you're referring to here. I define success uh, in life is particularly sustainable success, and that seemed to always be kind of the, the holy grail. How do I, if I can just how track it? How do you keep the,
1: it? If you get it, I mean, how do you know? Yeah, if I get it, me? how
2: do I keep it? It's uh, sustainability, and it's, you know, what's the secret sauce? Well, you know, What's the That's code? Right. Um, and there isn't one. Per se, uh, what i've landed on though, is that true success in life from a sustainability point of view i 'm not talking green sustainability I 'm talking about you know, being in the flow, so to speak uh, right. true sustainability sustainable success has to do with developing the capacity to continuously start over
1: you know I, I, I read that and, and, and I really I, and I know that that many people. I mean, really, when they talk about starting over, what are you talking about starting mm-hmm. over?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It's yeah. scary. Yeah.
2: It, oh, it's very scary, and and it, you know, this is where language gets to be real interesting. A lot of people, when they are thinking about starting over, concomitant with that, or you know, kind of, kind of you know, what comes with that is you know, moving on, and there's a sense of loss when I'm moving on. Um, uh-huh. You know, my my wife died. Um, uh, six years ago, and I remember. Oh, I'm so
1: sorry about that. Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, in in the in the spirit of uh, creating sustainable success, uh, I've found a way to start over. Uh, I'm currently married, and we are actually today uh, is our fourth anniversary.
1: Oh my goodness! Happy yeah. anniversary! Well,
2: thank you very much. Oh.
1: Um,
2: but part of the ability for me to do that, and it's joyous, and and the families, you know, both both of our families are just. Yeah, you know, they're in. Yeah, my my side. You know, my my my, uh, my family is in love with Cynthia. They the grandkids love her. Oh. Uh, my daughter and my son and my in laws. They even my late wife's sister has uh, oh. embraced her. I mean, there's just a lot of good stuff uh, that's come out of this. And that's, good part of the, that's good stuff.
1: That's good stuff.
2: Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that's true on her side, too, for me. And, mm-hmm. and part of the reason for that has to do with this distinction that I've made between moving on and the alternative of moving forward.
1: Okay, Blaine, I want you to stay right there. Moving on are the alternative, or what? Moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break, so listeners, don't go away, because you want to hear his answers to this moving statement. So we'll be right back. Thank you for listening.
3: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
4: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at one 888 346 9141 That's one 888 346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: And welcome back to the Transformation for Success Show. Today with my guest. Mr. Blaine Bartlett, CEO and President of Avatar Resources, a worldwide, internationally sought-after executive coach, management consultant, and leadership and organizational development expert. We're having a great conversation, and we were just talking about how to sustain success in life, what he calls sustainable success. So, Blaine, explain that again. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay. Um, the, the, The simple definition I work with is it's about developing the capacity to continuously start over. And it's that... Focus on that, you know, developing that capacity. Uh, so when I, you know, and this is true for individuals as well as organizations and vice versa, organizations as well as individuals. Not many have developed that capacity. Uh, uh, and if they have, it's been accidental and they haven't really paid a lot of attention. But you can do it actually uh, pretty deliberately. Um, it, it really is a question of um, what do I need to hold on to? Uh-huh. What do I need to let go of? And what do I need to learn new that I haven't yet learned? So, with those three, I mean, this, this, you know, letting go of things, there, there, there is a capacity involved in that. You know, there's, a, you know, there, there's a competency to be able to, to let go of something because it has served its usefulness, because the, you know, the life cycle has uh, you know, gotten to the point where uh, it's now time. Um,
1: or maybe it's not profitable. To hang or maybe to it's it.
2: not profitable. Yeah, uh, I mean we, we can think about this in the context of of products,
1: businesses. Yeah, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Because you know, different products have certain life cycles, and there's a time where it's, you know, the return on that uh product is not what it used to be so we start grandfathering it out and we start uh you know uh looking for ways to to give it a a, a nice little burial so to speak
1: um but then there are things that I want to hold on to and you're, gosh you're I- you're you're so, you're so right I mean, what? What? Do, you know, I'm just thinking for myself that because I, you know, as a coach, also people it's finding it hard to let go uh, because their identity is tied into letting go somehow with and behaviors. I mean, how it, it's really trying to unplug uh, more or less some of these behaviors one ha- one has. You know, so how do you deal? What do you tell people about that?
2: Well, you you hit the the, the mark. You know, very accurately there a lot of the difficulty that people have with letting go is because their sense of who they are is tied up in what mm-hmm. it is that they're being faced with letting go of mm-hmm. and so being able to separate that um, from who I am who I am is mm-hmm. not what I have in my life and we get lost yeah. in that pretty, pretty quickly uh, in thinking that you know the the the, the uh, trappings of life uh, be, are, are what we use to define who we are, and it's not any of that stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I I, I I look back on my you know, my marriage with my late wife. We were together twenty some you know, years. And, oh, wow!
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: it, it, it was a beautiful relationship. It truly was, and to have my identity and. It, 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 it can't not happen in, in my experience. You know, human beings are just wired this way. But part of my process was to d- deliberately and intentionally uh-huh. begin to unbundle who I was and who I am uh, from that i uh, uh-huh. that um, that that piece of my life. It's okay. still a piece of my life. It still remains a piece of my life, but uh-huh. it doesn't have the same identity bond as it did. That, and it did, right. Yeah. No, and, no. no go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, I, was say, and, 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 I mean, it's not easy to do. I, I have to be intentional about it, and I have to be gentle about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I mean by moving forward rather than moving on. And I still carry parts of her in our, in our relationship with me, but I'm moving forward. And the moving forward is about re-identifying. It's about what next do I begin to organize my my life around and and what next becomes an expression of who I am in my life.
1: You know, I like that, um, Blaine, because uh, many people, you know, and I have been victim, you know, fall victim to this of saying, why don't you just move on? You know, not realizing that the right terminology should be moving forward not necessarily moving on, because there's two different, there are two different interpretations to that. There they, they really are. You know, yeah, how I describe
2: something determines how I feel about it, and how I feel about it guides my behavior and actually influences and creates my behavior. Right. So when I'm looking at the semantics of moving on and moving forward, they have different emotional uh, analogs. I feel differently when I'm moving on than I do when I'm moving forward. Yeah, there's a sense of leaving something behind with moving on, and there's a sense of moving towards something that's aspirational when I'm moving forward. And
1: And, I wrote that down because I think that's important to define that for people, uh, rather getting out of the emotional uh, sense of how I feel moving on, but moving towards new things, towards a new direction, Towards a new Barbara, so that I'll use myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, having and I'm having to do that, Blaine, with the loss of my husband last yes, I year. Know. It's, yeah, it's we had a to conversation do exactly about to Re identifying, but not forgetting that bond or what we had, but re identifying and moving forward. Oh, I love that. Yeah,
2: yeah. And. I I want to be able to think bigger than my mind, uh, as as Mm -hmm. typically represented by my emotions. (laughs) Uh, People confuse their mind with their emotions a lot, and they are different things.
1: Uh, Well, you know, even the good scripture says guard your emotions. Because, I mean, even the good book says that very clearly. Guard your Mm -hmm. emotions. And and working with a number of women that I do, and men as well, uh, that's one of the keys in terms of are you being moved by your emotions, or is this something bigger in terms of thought processes? <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> Thinking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this may sound like a, a, a silly question, but you've, you've run into so many people, and then we're going to segue into um, your book, uh, Compassionate Com- uh, Capitalism. But what do you think some of the biggest obstacles in sustaining success in life? Is it truly just people don't want to start over? They wanna, don't want to move forward? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I,
2: I, my honest answer to that, and it's based on my own life experience, mm-hmm. is um, the difficulty is attachment.
1: Okay. It's attachment. Oh, I mean, wow. I like that.
2: Uh, I mean, the Buddhist philosophy uh, says that the source of suffering is attachment. And that seems to be borne out in my experience of, of life. Uh, if, if I get real attached to things uh, and they have outlived their useful life and I'm still attached to it, there's suffering involved with that. Uh, there's uh, discomfort. There's a lot of things that... Uh, make it difficult to move forward as long as I'm attached. I mean, when I sold the family home after uh, after my wife had died, mm-hmm. I, I, I prided oh, myself. Oh wow!
1: Oh,
2: oh, we'd been there for twenty years. And it was, was that like, difficult? But I, intellectually, I was going, I'm not attached. But realistically, it was like pulling teeth to get me out of there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and what was
2: fascinating was once I made that move. I was fine. I, I mean, I haven't looked back, but the process mm. was rooted in attachment.
1: Mm-hmm. So we can become so easily attached to, to things, and I've always tried to tell people and counsel people, don't let, don't let things attach you, you know, where, where you're attached to things. You need yeah. to detach from that and not let things own you. You own well, things. They don't own you. I guess I try yeah. to say it that way.
2: <laughs> that, in that
1: it's absolutely true,
2: uh, and that, that, that's part of where the identity question comes into play too. If if I have difficulty letting go of something, by mm-hmm. definition, my identity is very much in, you know, in, invested, and at that point, it owns me. And uh, as long as it owns me, I'm not free.
1: And that's true. That is true. Now, Blaine. It's been said that a lot of people, and you know, today, I mean, people are seeking, they they ultimately want to be happy. Whatever that means, I want to be happy. And uh, where or how does this pursuit of happiness fit into what you're saying about sustainability (laughs) and sustained success? How do you be happy and let go?
2: (laughs) No, I I think that's a great question. Uh, I think in our culture today, just given the way our economic models are built and everything else, happiness is almost consistently thought of as being the consequence of getting something out there, you know, acquiring mm-hmm. something. And that's not where happiness comes from. Happiness comes from a, it's an internally sourced experience. It, it's, it's, I, I, I can't truly be happy if I think I need to acquire something in order to do it.
1: So happiness is not really something that's acquired, and most people have that notion that happiness is something that can be acquired. But it really, as you say, Blaine comes from an internal source.
2: Yeah. I I, I think that happiness is emergent. It's not acquired.
1: And And I hope the listeners that you take heed to that, because I know that so many of you out there are, you know, saying, well, I don't know about me, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. But it does... Uh, have to come from looking internally to find that perspective on success and being happy. How does the perspective, Blaine, on success influence the work you do with your clients?
2: It's uh, the cornerstone of of the work I do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, trade secret here, I guess. Yeah, because I grew up on a farm, I had a, a lot of, you know, wildlife in my life. Uh, and, and one of the things that we used to do when I was a kid was catch snakes. Uh, oh I mean, God,
1: don't talk to me. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah.
2: What the way that you catch a snake? At least I did when I was a kid, uh, six or seven years of age. Uh, you get it to look at something shiny, you'd you'd have it focused and then you come up behind it and grab it. And that's how you would catch the snake. Well, in the work that I do with my clients, they have a definition of what they're looking for for success. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the bright, shiny object out there. So we'll we'll at least initially start with looking at that that bright, shiny success definition. And in the course of the work, I end up coming behind them and and grabbing them and something far more fundamental begins to emerge. And that's... Essentially, because what they're looking for often isn't what it is that's going to actually have them feel the kind of success that they're actually striving for. It's not going to be what is actually going to be the experience of success that they're actually seeking. Now, that's not to say that we don't get what they say they want. We almost always do. But there's something far deeper uh, that's in play, almost always, all and right. that's really what I'm interested in, them discovering in the process, is what, what else is there that I've lost sight of.
1: So focusing on that shiny is not exactly how you catch a snake. I mean, that is how you catch a snake. Yeah, well, you, you, know, you, 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 you,
2: you get their attention on it, and then, you can, you know, then then there's a lot of other stuff that There's a uh, lot of other happen-
1: stuff behind that you have to come behind and work with. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's funny. Now, you're going to laugh at me when I say this, but we're just having fun. But I thought, okay, how do we catch a um, human snake <laughs> using the same technique?
2: <laughs> same sort of a technique, yeah. 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 I've, uh, yeah, I could I could give you all kinds of examples there.
1: <laughs> when you came up with that about wildlife and how to catch a snake, I thought, hmm, that might apply to catching a human snake. Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, well, interesting, interesting. But I want to just uh, talk a little bit uh, about how you, uh, you have been so successful in applying this perspective of sustainability in terms of success in your own life. And I want to congratulate you on what you're doing and how you're helping people to absolutely keep track on life. So keep on doing what you're doing. But I want to know, um, you're currently, you have this book that's out that's called compassionate capitalism a journey to the soul of business and i want you to share what that really means because do businesses have a soul enlighten me mr bartlett (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: wow you know this book has been a while coming uh but I'm am really really excited about it. Um, and, and the question does do businesses have a soul? I think is really worth looking at because um, I mean I, I can quote uh, William Greider who, uh, who wrote a book called The Soul of or Actually he was a New York Times uh, 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 writer and an article that he published was called The Soul of Capitalism. And his quote that I love was as we look deeper for the soul of capitalism. We find that in terms of ordinary human existence, American capitalism doesn't appear to have one. And I think that is the experience that a lot of people have today. I think that's the experience that created the Occupy movement. It's certainly the experience that I think is uh, fueling uh, some of Bernie's, uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, popularity. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. There's... there's uh, a feeling today that capitalism, as it's practiced, is toxic. And, you yeah, know, I've been in the consulting business, and I've run organizations, um, you know, since, the, you know, the 70s. And in my experience, almost every organization, I can only think of one or two uh, that's counter to this, but almost every organization has been toxic to the human spirit. Um, I agree. If, I
1: agree if, with you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, know, we, we have these people that are brilliant human beings. They come to work, and this is a, a broad generalization, but they, they come to work, hang their hat up. If they had a hat, they'd hang their hat up and, you know, come into the office and then wait to be told what to do. And then at the end of the day, they pick their hat up and they go home, and they don't have to be told what to do when they get home. They just, all, all of a sudden, you know, aliveness kicks in, and they're creative and they're productive and so there's something about the you know the the way that business is conducted
1: that has
2: created a malaise uh can you hold that
1: point i can right there right there because we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to be right back and we're going to talk about this malaise that's happening in capitalism today and many companies today so stay with me and i'll be right back with my guest mr blaine bartlett
4: your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to the Transformation for a Success show today with my guest, Mr. Blaine Bartlett, who is the executive coach, management consultant, and leadership and organizational development expert Known throughout the world, and I'm happy to have him in the studio today. And we are talking about his book, Compassionate Capitalism: The Journey to the Soul of Business. So as you were talking, Blaine, about many, many organizations today have toxic environments. And there's a lot of lot of people out there really complaining about this and talking about this whole notion of capitalism. So as we went on break. You were talking about the toxicity that's in many organizations, and where a person goes to work, maybe metaphorically hangs up their hat, does their work, and at the end of the day goes home, bam, now what
2: well yeah when they're when they're at work uh, typically – I mean. I'll, I'll just kind of illustrate it this way. I think everybody in the audience uh, can appreciate this and because all of them have heard, you know, all of you have heard this in some way, shape, or form. Um, our people are our greatest asset. And we'll hear oh, uh, gosh, companies we hear talk that. about this all the time. And there's another piece to that. And, you know, not only are our people our greatest asset, but our people are our greatest resource. And I want to just kind of unbundle those two statements a little bit. Um, you know, when we look at resources and assets you know, in an organization, and this is where language has a lot of power, and how I describe something determines how I experience it and how I experience it creates behavior. Right. On the um, balance sheet, in an organization, um, we, you know, assets are carried on a balance sheet in the organization, and assets for tax purposes are depreciated over the lifetime, you know, considered to be the useful life value of the asset. So impl- implicit in the term, our people are our greatest asset, is the experience that they're going to be.
1: As you were saying, Blaine, you were talking about resources and the difference between assets and resources. Assets have a balance sheet and for tax purposes. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, just real quickly here, assets are depreciated on a balance sheet. So if our people are our greatest asset, there's implicit in that statement that they are going to be depreciated in some way, shape, or form. And then the other side of that has to do with resources. Uh, Our people are our greatest resource. Well, in any organization, resources are meant to be used. Idle resources are, are to be avoided at all costs. So there's two things that are implicit in people are our greatest asset and people are our greatest resource. We're going to depreciate them over time and we're going to use them. Now, that is not just an accident in terms of language. It is how people experience living in most organizations. And this is kind of the source of some of the toxicity. So. Being able, and this is one of the themes of the Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business, is how do we begin to change that dynamic? Um, we want to have individuals that are highly productive in, in our organizations. That goes right. without saying. How do we right. create that? Well, we create that by having people feel um, excited about being there. We create that by having them feel in their skins, alive. While they 're there, not subdued, not uh, comp- uh, compromised mm-hmm. question that I work with a lot, and this mm-hmm. is you know when i 'm working with leaders is mm-hmm. this question: How do people feel about themselves when they 're in your presence Woo.
1: do they Woo.
0: Feel,
2: do they feel uplifted? do they feel ennobled, do they feel empowered, or do they feel denigrated? Do they feel wow. uh, 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 Used? Do they feel belittled? Um, So from a leadership standpoint, paying attention to that can reap incredible dividends. I'm sure
1: it can. I love that question.
2: How do people feel about themselves when they're in the presence of you as Mm -hmm. a leader? You can expand that question. How do people feel about themselves when they're in the presence of the product that you're offering as an organization or the service that you're offering as an organization? Does, does that product or service allow for the people that are buying it to feel uplifted? Do it, do, does it make room for them to feel alive in their skins? People seek, and this is my experience, people want one thing in life fundamentally. I want to have the experience of being fully alive. That's what I'm that's looking for tr- that's in true. my life. Wow. And if my product or service can enable that experience, I'm off to the races. It's going to be. I've got something that's. Yeah, if I can bottle it, I'm going to. Yeah, and I'm a make lot a of that, dollars. you know,
1: when you talk about being fully alive, enthusiastic.
2: Exactly. Hello? Creativity comes into play. Uh, I mean, all of this stuff. Uh, if we can make that, and this is how I define value uh, in mm-hmm. in the book. You know, we we've redefined the value core. It's not you know, how much is this worth. It's do people feel alive as a consequence of purchasing your service or your product do they feel alive when they come to work oh wow that's where value resides
1: that's that's the that's the core that's the, of value that's, right that's the core how do people feel as a value a value mm-hmm. wow and then the the other question is uh, why should we care
2: well, I think if we look around the world today... Um, what that's you not re- my
1: question. That's a rhetorical one. Oh, That's a rhetorical
2: <laughs> question, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would ask you know, the listeners to, you know, if you had a choice between feeling alive and feeling put down, which would you choose? I mean, it's a rhetorical question and nonsensical, because we know what people would say. That's not how most people feel today. Um, we feel put upon, we feel used, we feel depreciated. And here's, here's why I think this is so important, uh, Dr. B. It business is. is the most pervasive force on this planet today. There is nothing on this planet that escapes the consequence of business activity. Nothing. I can be uh, an oyster in the middle of the ocean, and acidification of the ocean today is a consequence of the way business is practiced. And so as a a mollusk out there in the middle of the ocean, my my shell is starting to deteriorate because of business activity. Business, because it is the most pervasive force on the planet, it has the responsibility and the opportunity to uplift the experience of living for everything on this planet. And I think that is the purpose of business. The purpose of business isn't to make a profit, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we make a profit. We need to have a profit to stay in business. But the purpose of business is to uplift the experience of being
1: alive on this
2: planet for everything.
1: And we sure don't get a lot of that, that's for sure. We do now, not. Now, Bartlett, where did you get the idea to blend business with compassion? I mean, where does this come from? Does this come from you were reading some, some prior um, excerpts or books that to blend business with compassion?
2: Compassion is the core of all values. I mean, if you read all of the sacred texts, uh, it, compassion it is. is present in every one of them. Um, and there, there's every exterior has an interior kernel, and that interior, from, from my point of view, is, is spirit in some way, shape, or form. And I don't care what you call it. You know, spirit mm-hmm. can be God. It can be Allah. It can. I mean, but spirit, yeah. the source it's of life, spirit. the source right. of this life energy. Every exterior in business is an exterior. Uh, my life is an exterior. It is sourced from this interior. Every exterior has an interior. My, by paying attention to that interior, I have to be compassionate. I have to be gentle with myself in order for it to come through. Compassion, ha, compassion isn't soft and mushy. Compassion really has an edge to it. Um, it requires making some very difficult decisions sometimes.
1: Yes, it does. If if
2: I'm truly being compassionate in the way that I run my business, I begin to take trade-offs off the table as an option. And Mm -hmm. when trade-offs are off the table, I now have to start taking a look at the intrinsic value of everything that comes into contact with my business, and I have to honor that in some way. That's a compassionate thing to do. That is. And it's how I take care of the world.
1: During the past, the well, the two plus decades that you've been consulting worldwide with executives and companies and governments, well you know you've delivered like well over what I understand, two hundred thousand training programs. Uh, I mean, uh, training programs to well over two hundred thousand individuals. And close to 300,000. What wisdom have you acquired since you started coaching that? would have been extremely valuable to you before you even got into your own business.
2: I I think the the greatest wisdom that I have today, that if I had really understood it in the way that I understand it today, Mm -hmm. um, it would have made a big difference in what I did initially. It's making a difference now. But it's the notion that everything is connected. All an organization is, and I'm not talking just businesses here, uh, all mm-hmm. any organization is, mm-hmm. uh, is everything. a collection of everything. Uh, it's just a collection of individuals that are in relationship. And if the relationships are working well, the organization's going to have a pretty good shot at being successful. And the most obvious relationship are the interpersonal relationships. Those that's are the most cool. obvious. But that's yeah. just the tip of the iceberg. I have relationship with values. I have relationship with goals and objectives. I have relationship with dreams. I have relation. I've got a relationship with the chair that I'm sitting in right now. Yeah. And if that relationship isn't working well, I get uncomfortable and it's not working well for me. <laughs> <laughs> All and right. All and right. I get a little testy. So we don't. We don't teach people, once we get outside of the sandbox in kindergarten, we don't really pay attention to creating high-quality relationships in life. You know, we've got a select group of people that we work with and you know, we consider to be friends. But I think the, the, great, the great secret to success in life, outside of the fact that it's about continuously starting over, um, is to develop to find ways to know how to develop high-quality relationships and sustain high-quality relationships. Because they're always in flux, and I have to continuously adjust.
1: Well, you know, I I agree wholeheartedly about developing high-quality relationships. Can you hear me, Lane? Yes, I can. Because you know what? The first thing I believe, and I could be wrong, and I'm not saying you're you're wrong in what you're saying, but you have got to develop a high-quality relationship with yourself before you can do anything with anybody else.
2: Absolutely.
1: so I not, and I know you believe that because we we are trying to build this universe, create this connectivity when there are so many people who are disconnected with themselves mm-hmm. and they can't make those high quality or develop those high quality relationships because they're still trying to develop one with themselves. So what would you say? to listeners out there who know that they lack, because they've heard all of this, and really as it relates to organizations and compassion and the idea of, of, of how to be compassionate, how to develop this high-quality relationship with myself, what would you tell them? i tell them
2: to go stand in front of a mirror and take a look <laughs> at yourself. Truly, how do, how do you feel about yourself when you're in the presence of the person looking back at you? Mm-hmm. Leadership is an, you know, we all are leading our lives all the time. And if I'm not comfortable seeing who's looking back at me, there's some work that I need to do there. Happiness is an internally generated experience. It doesn't come from me acquiring the latest and greatest uh, gizmo out there. So when I stand in the mirror and look at myself in the morning, um, do I like who I see looking back at me? And the compassionate piece has to do with being gentle. You am know, being rigorously honest about what's mm-hmm. there, but also being gentle as I grow into uh, what I want to become. The, uh, the idea of living up to standards, and this is where I think our education system you know, has done us a great disservice uh, with the way we get tested and everything else. Um, there's, there's a difference between living up to standards and living into a way of uh, exp- experiencing who I am. Yeah, If I'm living up to something, there's always going to be a pass-fail. I either did it or I didn't. But if I'm living into something, no there's way. no way I can fail. I can all, all I'm doing is continuously moving forward. I'm living into it.
1: I think, I, I love it. I love it. You know, Blaine, this has been a very interesting conversation, and I especially learned a bit today quite a bit, and a new perspective on sustaining success, which some of these things I'm actually I'm definitely going to share, and I'll remember them for a very long time. But I want to tell you how much I appreciate the time that you've spent discussing these items, and I'd like to probably have you on a second show um, to, to get a little deeper into some of the things. We really had a few things today that happened, but I just want to thank you for sharing and caring. And I truly agree with what many people have said about you. Truly, you are a first-class individual, uh, a facilitator, great facilitator, speaker and coach. And most importantly, you've answered a lot of questions that I know that people are asking today. And really, one of them, I know from many people who've asked me how to ensure that the workplace of today and tomorrow enables individuals in this society and the planet the opportunity to thrive And so you've shared that it it is rooted in compassion, and how this question is answered makes a difference for many organizations, and I believe that that difference is going to be worth pursuing. So, listeners, I know you've enjoyed this show today, and Blaine, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation with you today, and hope you'll want to come back again on the show, and we'll do part two. I'd,
2: I'd be very honored, Dr. Barber. I really would.
1: I've, I've loved our time together.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, again, I've learned a lot today. And again, thank you so much for being with me on the Transformation for Success show. And to my listeners out there, until next week, this is Dr. Young signing off. I want you to be encouraged, be motivated, be grateful, be joyful, be blessed, and be forever transformed and thank you for listening
0: we appreciate you joining us for transformation for success please join your host dr barbara young again next tuesday at 3 p.m eastern time that's 12 noon pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.